Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. Today, I'm interviewing authors for the Writers Unleashed Sutherland Shire Writers Festival. It's such a privilege to be podcasting for this wonderful festival. And a huge shout out to the organisers who have been behind the scenes making this happen and helping us to pivot online, unfortunately. But it's still been a fabulous, fabulous day. And if you haven't caught up on the videos, um, they've been amazing on, on the website. So fantastic. Now, I am so excited to welcome a return guest, Christine Sykes, author of two books, a memoir, Goff and Me, exploring the impact on her life when Goff Whitlam moves into her street in Cabramatta in 1957 when she's eight years old. A fantastic story. And her novel, The Changing Room, received the Fiction Award from the Society of Women Writers in New South Wales. The Changing Room was inspired by her work with the Women's Charity Dress for Success Sydney and provides a clothing and support service for women entering the workforce. So many exciting things to chat to you about. How are you, Christine? I'm very well. Had a lovely day sitting in on uh, the uh, live work or the live Zoom workshops today, which has been fantastic. Yeah, it's been a brilliant uh, festival and it's so great that we've been able to come together and bring people together mm. under such circumstances. So um, I want to know, what do you love about a writer's festival? Um, look, I love listening to other writers talking about their process, what they've learned. I always learn something and I find that there's always, you know, some tricks or some insight that feeds almost immediately into what I'm thinking about or worrying about or working on at the time. I mean, an online workshop gives me the opportunity to tap into uh, parts of a writer's festival that I wouldn't be able to do otherwise because you always have back, you know, sessions running at the same time. With this one, I can listen to everything in my own um, uh, comfort of my own place. I guess what we all miss, though, is the is the one-on-one, the opportunity to network, an opportunity to chat, and fingers crossed in 2022 we'll be able to do that. Fingers crossed, and hopefully sooner we can um, get out of our houses, but it's a, it's a tough time, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Now, your session um, at the Writers' Festival was Goff and Me, My Journey from Cabramatta to China mm-hmm. and Beyond, and I don't want you to give away all of that conversation, obviously, but what can you tell us about, you know, that book and why it was important to you? And I'm really interested in the journey from Cabramatta to China and beyond. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose for me, having grown up in Cabramatta and spent almost half my life there, both as a child, and then as an adult, um, it, it was always for me the starting point, the, the seed, I suppose. And what I really wanted to explore was the impact of that seed, both the geography of growing up in a place like Cabramatta, which, as we all know, has gone through its own enormous transformation from being, you know, a virtually semi-rural area when I was born um, into what it is now, a, a hub, and, and facing the issues that it's faced all of that time and even today, but also um, the fact that this extraordinary thing happened to me when I was seven down the road, that that the iconic figure of Gough Whitlam mm-hmm. and his family moved into my house. And, and they were iconic for a range of reasons. Um, the obvious one is that, you know, uh, he became uh, the first Labor Prime Minister of Australia after 23 years, which was an extraordinary thing. And the time he became Prime Minister was a time of huge change in Australia. And he led a lot of the sea changes that we've seen, changes for women, multicultural affairs, urban development, etc. 
but also the impact on a working class kid, which I was, of a family that was not working class and clearly not working class and stood out in the community, uh, both for their education, they spoke differently to us. They were also very imposing people. They were tall and they were also incredibly involved in the community. So I really wanted to explore from my own point of view the impact of a leader like that. And what I've been finding out in um, people giving me feedback is that there are so many thousands of other people who had have memories of Gough Whitlam, have been impacted by him um, or have heard about him from their parents or their grandparents. Mm, that's a very important story and I like how you tell it and tell it from um, you know you were only eight when this happened and it still mm. had such a profound impact on your life today mm. you know I think mm. that's really special. Mm, absolutely absolutely and I, I think those kind of seminal things do and I, I guess the thing I found when I was writing the memoir and doing a bit of extra research were just the the extent of intersections throughout my life it wasn't only when I was eight it was also you know when I was 12 and when I was 13 or 14 and then when I uh, was 16 and I got the mm -hmm. senior secondary scholarship which Whitlam had yep. championed when I went to university and managed to get to university which was Sydney University the same university Gough and Margaret Whitlam went to and then I was employed in a community development program that Gough Whitlam's government funded so wow. throughout yeah. and then worked in legacy programs so throughout yeah. my life I felt that there were these intersections and, of course, China um, was the other thread. Mm, very interesting. Now, your other book, The Changing Room, can you uh -huh. tell us a bit about that? Well, The Changing Room uh, came together. Through, I had two separate ideas which sort of came together and, you know, created what I <laughs> Um One was uh, that I really wanted to write a story about three women. I had these three characters in mind who were different ages, different backgrounds, um, and I wanted to see what happened when they came together. So we have um, Anna who's, you know, in her 60s. For various reasons she loses her job and she's facing a life alone really and, and what she's going to do with the rest of her life. 40-year-old Claire who's got everything. She's a philanthropist. She has everything. She's, you know, very well connected, very well spoken, very well educated, um, and her life takes on a, an interesting trajectory. And then there's 20-year-old Molly who's been through more trouble than, you know, most of us would <laughs> like to be. And, and on the other hand, I wanted to write a story about Dress for Success that was based on Dress for Success and I was a volunteer with Dress for Success. In fact, I'm still on the books as a volunteer. But I didn't want to write a report, you mm. know, because for me story is everything. Yeah. You know, I learned so much through story. And I think if, and I really wanted to see if I could actually take people into the world of that and to understand that and identify with people. And one day walking on the beach, is a beach scene behind me, um, the two ideas came together and, and that's when I was able to kind of pull the book together. Mm, I love that. I want to know, they're, they're two very different books. Mm. What's the process, the writing process for each book? Did you find there was a similar process for each or they're very different? Um, they were similar in that they're both a bit messy. I'm a bit of a mess. I have a bit of a messy <laughs> process, I have to be honest. <laughs> Um, I guess the difference was that with the memoir, I actually started that first, believe it or not, and I started by writing what became a life story. So essentially 
you know, dividing my life up into five to 10 years. And every time I remembered something that happened, I'd write it down and stick it in the folder, in that part of the folder, and then eventually pulled it together into a document. And then I was left with the decision what to do with this document. Um, Was I just going to top and tail it and leave it for my family, should any of them be interested in reading it? Or would I actually see if I could mould it into something else? So that first document, I guess, was like a research document, if you like for the memoir and then um you know with the assistance of patty miller i was very fortunate to attend patty's workshop in paris um wow yeah interestingly um i was there in 2014 in fact at the very time when gough whitman died so it was quite a a moving time Mm. to be talking about the memoir and should i continue to write this memoir that focused on gough whitman and patty was really supportive of that and supportive of my unique story um, and then, of course, I had to go back and reshape it and rework it and, and overcome all that imposter syndrome I had. <laughs> story. Um, so, so that was that process. I guess the changing room, in a way, it was easier to write initially. Um, uh, what I did was I wrote something that was about 30,000 words. My mm-hmm. first draft was 30,000 words. So it's it's sort of like a summary Um and I guess I was telling myself the story and, and yeah. I've heard other writers talk about this, that, you know, the first draft was very much me telling myself the story, working the plot out, working out problems, how are they going to get together, what road were they going to drive down, all of those kind of things. Um, but from then on, the multitude of edits um, occurred. I've lost count of how many times I've edited <laughs> um, and, and I suppose building it and looking at what, what were scenes, you know, what things did I need to show, what things could I tell, uh, where were the holes, where were the plot problems, yeah. um, where was it going to begin and end? And, in fact, unlike what most writers are advised, I actually brought my beginning earlier than I started mm. uh, because I realised that there was so much interesting backstory, so I moved it forward. And That's I actually, I know, and I moved the ending backwards. Okay. So I sort of entailed it a bit because, mm. I, you know, I feedback I got was that my original ending kind of left too many things hanging and that I owed it to my reader to, um, to kind of let them know a little bit more about what happened. <laughs> So I have the light of writing a bit more. Mm. Um, and I think also in the editing process, funnily enough, I found that each time I edited, I understood the story and the characters more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't understand that process really because you'd think if you write it, you know who they are. Yeah. But in a way, they kind of reveal themselves a bit like a kind of onion in a way. <laughs> I love that. Write them and rewrite them and try to find their voice. Mm. The more you learn about them, yeah, um, absolutely. And I think it's as well as that the writing it, but it's keeping your brain into it and always thinking mm-hmm. about it. So you're always going to be thinking new thoughts and getting a bit deeper into the into them. So I think that that's part of it as well. Yeah, and I'm a bit of a um, not quite a butterfly writer, but but oh, um, butterfly writer. Tell me about that. I love that. I tend to flit oh, a bit. I like that. It's not something I've heard commonly. Well, I've just, yeah, well, I just made it up then. So oh, then, well, well, a butterfly writer. <laughs> um, so I kind of a bit like flower, you know, I sitting from flower to flower and I, I sort of do a bit on this and then a bit on that. It's not quite exactly that way, but, mm-hmm. but sometimes, you know, if I've got a couple of things going, there'll be the story that I'm supposed to be or think I should be writing 
I can't think of anything, but then I think of the other story. So now I have the process where whichever story is in my head, I write it down because the really important thing is to get it on the page. Yeah, absolutely. Once you've got it on the page, um, it's sort of like, you know, making a pot or something if you're doing pottery. Mm. You know, you need a lump of clay to work with. Yeah. And hopefully it is a nice lump of clay. And (laughs) as one of our writers said, a lump of turd, but, you know, (laughs) it's a lump of clay. Bold and sculpt and you know cook and do whatever you need to do to get it into something that is going to uh, get the reader in. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) I love that. Now, fabulous festival. I'm so privileged to feel you know a part of it and to be able to you know I I interviewed a panel of editors, which was just such a joy, and it was a joy not only knowing about their knowledge, but the joy was in the care that they took for the work that they did, you know, Mm. so it went beyond knowledge and expertise. It was, you know, the absolute care and love they have for for the Mm. writing and the the effort and the work that goes into it. So I love that. And, you know, 11 interviews across today, speaking to some incredible people, all passionate about what they do and what they're putting into the world. So, you know, this festival has been amazing. And, you know, I think you guys have done an amazing job being Mm -hmm. able to pivot quickly and still make it really, really special. So I know there's a couple of things you want to say about the festival before we well, head Well, I guess to, just to also add that I personally have had some amazing experiences. I mean, as well as myself being interviewed by someone, um, I had the opportunity of being in conversation with other authors, with yeah. Patty and with Lauren Chater. Mm-hmm. And that was something I'd never done before. Okay. So I had to develop a whole new skills base. <laughs> I had to learn how to set up a Zoom meeting, <laughs> you know, at my age, you can always learn. Um, and then, you know, putting myself in the shoes of, of someone like you, Danny, and thinking, you know, what questions do I ask? And that was a real, for me, a real gift to actually be able to develop new school skills. And I think one of the things that I found during, you know, reshaping the festival into a digital festival is just the flexibility and support from all of the presenters. They've just been absolutely fantastic and I really want to thank them all. They've been brilliant. And also, of course, our bookshop, the best little bookshop in town has been amazing and and they've got books uh, still for sale. So I just like to remind people that you can still buy your books from them. Mm. Um, I'd also like to thank you, Danny, for your support. You've been amazing. (laughs) And being able to partner with someone like you and have you interviewing people is just such a delight and I think takes the festival beyond the bounds, the geographic bounds that we would have had had it been an in-person festival out into the world so that people all over the place can access it. And I think that's just an incredible uh, gift that we've got in these very, very difficult times. So I really do hope everyone enjoyed the workshops today. I certainly did. I mean, I sat in, you know, I barely read speculative fiction, I can tell you, but I sat in on that workshop and did I learn a lot? Oh, I certainly did. It was Alan amazing. Baxter was amazing. Yeah, was incredible. Yep, and, you absolutely. know, Ashley telling us about scenes. I mean, I'm sitting there trying to write a scene while she's teaching me how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had the um, great fortune of catching up with all the podcasters today yeah. too, and that was yeah. that was a lot of fun. We've actually planned a sequel because we had so much fun. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and, of course, you know, Patty Miller's always brilliant. Yes, absolutely. She got us writing and, and I wrote things I hadn't even thought I'd write. So that was brilliant. <laughs> 
So I just hope that everybody gets a chance to look at all the other sessions. I mean, if I can say, even if you think you might not be interested in that particular genre, you, there's always something you can learn, I think, about Absolutely. writing because the, the core of writing is probably similar for all genres and, and we've got so many talented writers uh, who are imparting their knowledge. So I do encourage you to yeah, just be on what they can watch. Absolutely. And as I said before, hopefully next year we can see people in person and that would be amazing. And hopefully we can see you in person. Yeah, that would be the dream. I would love that. There's going to be so many hugs going on. I can't even stand it. When we can do, we can do COVID hugs. Yes. COVID hugs. But when we can do hug hugs, it'll be. Oh, it'll be fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to it. But thank you so much um, for you as well. It's been a brilliant experience. And I was saying to the authors that I think, I've actually been fortunate enough with 11 back-to-back -back interviews today to have that almost festival experience because I'm speaking to writer after writer after writer about, you know, the amazing things that they're doing. And so I almost feel like I have the energy, almost, not quite, the energy that you bring when you go to a writer's festival. So it's been exhausting, but it's been amazing. <laughs> you don't look exhausted at all. <laughs> Fueled by chocolate, Christine. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for your time and um, thank you so much for letting me be part of it. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books, Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.